All right, good morning. Welcome to worship. Glad you're here with us this day. If you would get your bulletins out, some announcements as we get started. As always, there's a tear-off portion. If you're a guest, please fill out that blue side and put in the offering plate when it goes by. And then on the other side is a place for prayer requests. Any prayer requests you may have, put on the bottom of that yellow page and tear it off and put it in the uh, offering plate as well. We'll pray in our staff time on Tuesdays. On the back are opportunities for the week. A few things to draw your attention to, and then um, you can look over the rest of activities on your own. Tonight, we do have our encounter service right here in the sanctuary at 5 o'clock, so I invite you all to come back for that, and then youth and handbells following. And then on Tuesday, women on mission meet in the small dining room at 10.30, and there's a new member team at 6.30. On Wednesday, we have a full slate of activities from the midweek Bible study. Wednesday supper is barbecue. Is that right? Barbecue? What did we have last week? Oh, last week was the chicken thing. That was delicious. All right. Connect groups, Awana, and youth also this week at 6 o'clock, midweek Bible study and choir rehearsal. Teenagers meet 1030 on this Thursday, also in the small dining room. So if you're a teenager, come on out for that. And then a couple other announcements, and I'm going to have Sandra come up as well. Uh, March 20th and 21st, remember to mark your calendars for that. That's going to be our women's conference here at uh, Mechanicsville Baptist Church, and it is a Friday night and an all-day Saturday, so March 20th and 21st, and there'll be more information about that coming shortly. Uh, the evangelism training that was planned at the beginning of March has been moved to the end of March, and you'll get more information on that as well. Uh, the 22nd of February, is that correct? Is the, our Winterfest activity for kids? That's not what you're going to talk about, is it? Okay, we're good. And what we need from those who would like to help is sugar cookies made, baked, and brought in. Uh, so the kids are going to decorate those cookies during this event on the 22nd. So if you could make sugar cookies, uh, I think Leslie and Lisa would be the go-to people to talk to about doing that. Is that right? Good. And then uh, we need items for a cakewalk as well as helpers to come uh, help. What was that? Paula, calm down. Word cake, and Paula loses it, as well as helpers that help out with the games and the uh, time. So if you'd like to help in any way, talk to Leslie or Lisa, and they will hook you up with our Winterfest. Um, stop it. It's the cake's over. All right. Sandra, why don't you come on up? And Dwight mentioned the Women on Mission are meeting this Tuesday, and it's a special annual event. Every Valentine's Month, we treat all of our sheriffs and staff at our Hanover Sheriff's Office with our special baked goods. So if you're a Women on Mission that's been or have never been and want to try it, this is a great opportunity. We'll assemble variety trays of all sorts of homemade special treats and deliver them personally to the office. They're expecting us, so please come and show your support for all they do to keep us safe. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Let us stand and sing our first hymn of the day, 348, Ye Servants of God.
1 Peter, uh, verses, chapter 1, verses 13 through 16, says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But be like the Holy One who called you. Be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you uh, that you have uh, called us to be like you, Lord Jesus. You called us out of our former self and, and given us our new life and a new pattern by which we can walk. God, we thank you that you have set us apart as your children and you have uh, given us your Holy Spirit so that the world around us can see your goodness and that we can glorify you in all that we do. So God, as we give you this service, we thank you for your Holy Spirit being here. We pray that you would be honored and glorified in all that we do, and we lay it before you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hymn number 385, They'll Know We Are Christians by His Love. They'll Know We Are Christians, number 385. Please stand and sing with us. out and turn to page 642 for our responsive reading this morning, page 642, and I'm going to change it up just a little bit. I'll do the worship leader, and for worship participant, we'll have all of our congregation read that together, and then we will all read the end worshipers together. So I'll do the worship leaders.
together with Paul, you'll do the worship participant. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his command, the ordinances and statutes. When you eat and are full and build beautiful houses to live in, be careful that your heart doesn't become proud and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You may say to yourself, my power and my own ability have gained this wealth for me. But remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth. In order to confirm his covenant, he swore to your fathers as it is today. For as the previous generation and pay attention to what their fathers discovered, our days on earth are but a shadow. Will they not teach you and tell you speak from your understanding? Does pastures grow where there is no marsh? Do reeds flourish without water? Such is the destiny of all who forget God. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, because he cares for you. I've got peace like a river. Number 618. Please stand sing with us. I've got peace like a river. Father, um, thank you for this day that we may come together in your house and worship. Please allow these offerings to bless others and be with us as we continue to spread your everlasting love. In your name we pray. Amen.
flowers that are on the communion table this morning are given to the glory of God and in memory of Norman Bowles by Betty Bowles. I believe it's on the occasion of their anniversary uh, this week. Uh, so uh, anyway, we are thankful that Betty has shared these with us this morning and graced our sanctuary. And also, Doris Pritchard has a birthday today. Happy birthday, Doris. I saw it on the list, and I thought, well, let me wish her a happy birthday. So y'all can do the same uh, after the service, okay? Um, let's bow for prayer. Gracious Lord, we are thankful for every time we gather in your house and worship and praise your name. We're thankful that as we come to this place that you are here and that your abiding presence can provide for us encouragement and understanding and hope. We pray, Father, for those of our church family who are ill. We pray, Father, that you will bless them Bring healing and strength to their bodies. For those who are recuperating at home or in rehab facilities, we lift them before you. And even for those, Father, who are confined to their homes. We know, Father, that as we pray, you hear and you can minister in their lives. We pray, Father, for our church this morning. We pray, Father, that we might be people that could reach out into this community with the gospel story, that we could disciple and equip one another in ways, Father, that we did not think were possible, so that we might be well-equipped to go and to share. We're thankful, Father, for the love of Jesus. For in Him, Father, we find our purpose and our meaning. We're grateful, Father, that through Jesus Christ we are redeemed. We're thankful, Father, for each person here this morning. We're thankful, Father, that as we come here, we come seeking to listen for a word from you. Seeking, Father, to come to terms with who we are in relationship to you. We pray for our missionaries. We pray, Father, that you will bless their work around the world. Thank you for them and for their commitment and calling before you. May people come to know the Savior as a result of their work and of your spirit moving. As we open your word, Father, we pray that you will bless us as we listen for a word from you. In the name of Jesus, amen. We will continue our study in the book of Jeremiah today, looking at Jeremiah chapter 35. Uh, We will read the entire chapter, 19 verses, uh, as it deals with a certain group of people that we can learn from. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Go to the house of the Rechubites, speak to them, and bring them into the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers, and give them wine to drink. Then I took... Jazaniah, the son of Jeremiah, the son of Hasbaniah, his brothers and all his sons, and the whole house of the Rechabites. And I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the son of Igdelia, a man of God, which was by the chamber of the princess, above the chamber of Messiah, the son of Shalom, the keeper of the door. Then I sat before the sons of the house of Rechabites, 
bowls full of wine and cups. And I said to them, drink wine. But they said, we will drink no wine, for Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, you shall drink no wine, you nor your sons forever. You shall not build a house, sow seed, plant a vineyard, nor have any of these, but all your days you shall dwell in tents that you may live many days in the land where you are sojourners. Thus we have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he charged us to drink no wine all our days, we, our wives, our sons, or our daughters, nor to build ourselves houses to dwell in, nor do we have vineyards, field, or seed. But we have dwelt in tents and have obeyed and done according to all that Jonadab, our father, commanded us. But it came to pass when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up into the land that we said, Come, let us go to Jerusalem for fear of the army of the Chaldeans and for fear of the army of the Syrians, so we dwell at Jerusalem. Then came the word of the Lord to Jeremiah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Go and tell the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will you not receive instruction to obey my words, says the Lord? The words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, which he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are performed, for to this day they drink none and obey their father's commandment. But although I have spoken to you rising early and speaking, you did not obey me. I have also sent to you all my servants, the prophets, rising up early and sending them, saying, Turn now, everyone, from his evil way, amend your doings, and do not go after other gods to serve them. Then you will dwell in the land which I have given you and your fathers, but you have not inclined your ear nor obeyed me. Surely the sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have performed the commandment of their father, which he commanded them, but this people has not obeyed me. Therefore thus says the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring on Judah and on all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the doom that I have pronounced against them, because I have spoken to them, but they have not heard, and I have called to them, but they have not answered. And Jeremiah said to the house of the Rechabites, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Because you have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab your father and kept all his precepts and done according to all that he commanded you, therefore thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab the son of Rechab shall not like a man to stand before me forever. Interesting story. American colonists... Two great heroes during the American Revolution, George Washington and Benedict Arnold. The contribution of Washington is well known. On the other hand, celebrating Arnold as a hero surprises many of us even today. Nevertheless, during the early years of the war, Arnold earned a reputation as a great soldier. In 1775, he shared in the capture of Fort Ticonderoga. In 1776, he thwarted a British plan to isolate the northern colonies at the Battle of, the Lake, of Lake Champlain. In 1777, Arnold had a crucial role in a decisive victory at Saratoga. What happened? Fueled by ambition and greed, he switched sides in 1780. Benedict Arnold is now synonymous with treason. Washington remained faithful to the goal of independence, and he is honored as the father of his country. During the first decade of the 6th century B.C., God's people chafed under their duplicity. They played, paid lip service to serving God, but their behavior exposed deceitfulness in their word. 
When it seemed the Babylonians might capture Jerusalem, its citizens emancipated their slaves in compliance with biblical law. Then as soon as the Babylonians withdrew from the city, former masters reversed the Emancipation Act and forced the freed men and women back into slavery again. The treachery of Jerusalem of the Jerusalem citizens is contrasted here with the fidelity of the Rechabites. The Rechabites trace their heritage to Jonadab who assisted Jehu's purge of Baalism in the northern kingdom. Two and a half centuries later, Jonadab's descendants still refuse to compromise their standards. Honor comes to those who faithfully fulfill their commitments. But the story begins today with a temptation in verses 1 through 5. God instructed Jeremiah to go to the house of the Rechabites with a threefold mission. Here the word house is figurative. Since the sect was nomadic, they did not own houses. We know that from reading the scripture. The word has the sense of clan or sect. First, the prophet was to speak to them. The content of what he was to say to them is not recorded in the scripture. Hence, it was a message that applied only to them at that specific moment in time. Jeremiah was to bring them to one of the chambers of the historic temple in Jerusalem. They would have apprehended this as coming into the presence of God because God was said to be enthroned between the cherubim. Third, he was to offer wine to those present in the temple chamber. Jeremiah assembled them and offered wine to the Rechabites. Jeremiah invited the Rechabites into the temple and offered them a drink of wine. The overture was not an effort to humiliate this mysterious sect, nor did Jeremiah seek to modify their opinion concerning the consumption of alcohol. He simply followed the instructions God revealed to him prior to the temple meeting. Jazaniah seems to have been the senior member of the group, the leader of the Rechabites. The designation a man of God referred to a prophet. Hanan then likely was a prophet who was amenable to Jeremiah and his unpopular message. Some of his sons occupied chambers in the temple complex and agreed to host the meeting. Knowing full well what their response would be, Jeremiah brought the Rechabites to a prominent place in the courts of the temple. The chamber apparently was open to the public. Inside were tables on which stood jars filled with wine and individual cups. The jars were large drinking bowls filled with the wine. The cups were used for dipping into the bowls in order to procure the beverage. Jeremiah offered the wine to the Rechabites to drink. But the Rechabites answered in verses 6 through 11. They previously had been unwaveringly obedient to the command of their ancestor Jonadab regarding his lifestyle. They would not change. Instead, they planned to leave the city as soon as possible. Their refusal was supported with a full declaration of their values. Wine made from grapes symbolized to, the Canaanite, symbolized to them Canaanite corruption. Excessive consumption of alcoholic beverages was common in the ancient Middle East. Intoxication was an inevitable part of Canaanite religious celebrations and the Rechabites would not change their minds. The Rechabites did not simply refuse Jeremiah's invitation to drink wine. They explained why. 
Their explanation, however, went beyond simply saying, our ancestor Jonadab prohibited us from the consumption of alcoholic beverages. Instead, it was based solely upon their religious dogma. Therefore, the group offered a more extensive clarification of their devout ideology. The prohibitions to which they adhered encompassed far more than being a teetotaler. We know that all believers face temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 teaches us no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And this is played out in this passage of Scripture, isn't it? God gave them a way out of the temptation. They believed and were obedient to their ancestor. We all can learn a lesson from the Reykjavites. The Reykjavites' assertion that they and their families always had persevered in the commands of their ancestor Jonadab raised suspicion. Their current presence in Jerusalem insinuated possible compromise in these rigid prohibitions. Therefore, the Reykjavites concluded their refusal to drink Jeremiah's wine with an explanation of being in the city at all. Remember, they were tent dwellers, nomads, people who wandered the land. Current events outside the walls of Jerusalem forced them to seek protection in a location where people lived contrary to the lifestyle their own beliefs allowed. You see the danger of living in places where your lifestyle is put to the test. Sometimes we put ourselves in the way of temptation simply because we go to the wrong places and deal with the wrong people. We know that. We've tried to teach our children that, haven't we? We know that to be true. But these people were there because the Babylonians were outside the walls. They needed protection or they would have been destroyed. The Reykjavites took refuge within the walls of Jerusalem during these turbulent times. Their devotion to their ancient ways implied they continued to live in tents even while seeking security from the present danger. The Reykjavites declined the wine. But yet because their way of life had been tempted, they were making arrangements to leave the city and face what was on the outside because they did not want to be where they would be tempted to go against their ancestors' beliefs. Believers should rejoice when faced with temptation. James tells us in James chapter 1, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. These people lacked for nothing. Because they were obedient. Believers should rejoice. But then we see the treachery that occurred, that's talked about in verses 12 through 17. God instructed the prophet, Go and speak to the men of Judah and the residents of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the political and religious capital of the state. However, paralleling the men of Judah with the residents of Jerusalem also disclosed the reduction of the size of the state in the previous decade because of war. God invited the people of Judah to accept discipline. Discipline denoted correction. Accepting correction results in learning. To achieve this education, the people only needed to listen to God's words. 
The influence of Jonadab had persisted many generations. Both the political state and its religious condition that motivated him to issue his prohibition against wine no longer existed. Yet his descendants clung tenaciously to his charge. In contrast, Rechabites' loyalty, the people of Judah repeatedly disobeyed the commands of the living God. Jonadab issued his edict once. The Lord repeatedly spoke to his people. Nevertheless, they persisted in their disobedience. Do you hear that? That he was talking to them like they were children. I have told you ten times. Listen to me, is what he was saying. The Rechabites were told once. And 240 years later, they still are obeying their ancestors. But you see, the thing we have to understand about this is, and we'll see it a little bit further down the line here as we look at this passage, is that when we think in terms of what Jonadab did as a man and think of the Word of God, do you see the difference? The Word of God stands above anything Jonadab would ever say. You know, there are all kinds of things. There are people that have influenced your life, and they've influenced your life, and not necessarily with biblical things, right? I mean, just influence your life, give you advice, help you along, do things for you, talk to you, teach you, maybe a skill. You can think of somebody, a teacher, somebody. I told them in the first service, a little later in my sermon, but I'm going to tell you now, that there was a woman when I was growing up in my home church of Natural Bridge, and she thought that if you weren't wearing a white shirt, you were not dressed for church. That was her thing. Okay? Now look what I'm wearing today. I'm wearing my white shirt. It took me the longest time to ever wear any other color. And the staff in one of my churches kept saying, Tim, you need to add a little color to your wardrobe. I said, yeah, but Miss Menifee's right here telling me I'm not dressed. (laughs) Now, there's no biblical mandate to wear a white shirt in church, is it? I hadn't found it. If you find it, let me know. No biblical mandate for a white shirt. Probably not a tie either, but we wear those too, don't we? But I say that because you see the difference and what Jonadab was doing, and what God was saying to his people. Jonadab was just giving them good advice. He was commanding them to do something that in the long run would benefit them, wouldn't it? Because of all the problems that come with alcohol. And he knew that. And they obeyed that. And yet you have the people of Jerusalem and Judah who are hearing from God's prophets the very words of God. And they're not listening. And that's why this story is here. So that we can understand what it means to be in a position to hear God and not listen. The citizens of Judah rejected the prophets who spoke God's message. The prophets was one of three major religious roles in ancient Israel. The priest implemented the demands of the law. The sages were responsible for giving counsel. And the prophets announced God's message. The simple statement, this is what the Lord says, characterized their task. God declared disaster on the people of Judah because of their unfaithfulness to Him. 
Here are the specific details of the judgment and his capacity to do so. Throughout this passage, God repeatedly contrasted Judah's unfaithfulness with the Rechabites' faithfulness. No longer could the issue be in doubt. Judgment was certain. The Babylonian occupation of Judah would continue. The city of Jerusalem would fall. And the survivors of the destruction would go into exile in Babylonia. Each time this future had been declared, God had offered the people an opportunity to repent and become faithful. Instead, they maintained their unfaithful attitudes and actions. Therefore, their fate was sealed if they did not repent immediately. We will find guidance in the Bible when faced with temptation. We will find guidance in the Bible to help us overcome. The scripture teaches us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the person of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The prophet Jeremiah used the fidelity of the Rechabites as condemnation of Judah's repeated violation of the covenant with God. The group was not commended for their eccentric regulations, but for the example they set by their compliance to those rules. God's approval of the Rechabites focused on a single issue, their fidelity. It was the quality of loyalty to their ancestor, loyalty that had extended across a span of 240 years that was woefully lacking in the relationship of the people of Judah to the covenant Lord. You see, God promised a noble future to the Rechabites because of their loyalty. God promised them that they always would have descendants to worship and serve the Lord. The Rechabite family was a lesson in contrast when compared with the house of Judah. Although Jonadab had been dead for over 200 years, his posterity heeded his non-canonical commands while the house of Judah repeatedly spurned the words of the living God who repeatedly spoke to them through the prophets. However great Jonadab might have been, he was still a fallible man, not the infallible God. He may have cared for his posterity, but he could never do for his posterity what God had done and would do for his. However powerful Jonadab's words were, they did not carry within them intrinsic power to beget and sustain spiritual life. All of these contrasts served to condemn the obstinacy of Judah even more. The way in which the Rechabites honored their father magnified the way in which Judah dishonored their God, the one who was much greater than Jonadab. Sometimes, you see, comparisons can be good things, can't they? Sometimes we can learn by comparing. I remember there was a couple of sisters when I was growing up, and they both uh, they were grown, and they both had the same coat. And... Uh, The one was complimenting the other's coat. She said, mine is so dirty and yours looks so nice and mine's so dirty. Come to find out, she had on the wrong coat. She had on her sister's coat. So sometimes comparisons aren't that good. But sometimes seeing how people appreciate something less than can help you appreciate the greater than that you may be prone to neglect. Let's not make Judah's mistake. If it was reprehensible then, it's exponentially more so now. We know much more about the greater than than they did. Jonadab may have loved his posterity, but he did not love them so much that he sent his only son to die for them. 
Jonadab may have been zealous to keep his seed from idolatry, but he had no capacity to replace their hearts of stone with hearts of flesh. Jonadab may have been a great leader, but he could have never been a sinless savior. Let us then learn from the Rechubites and be careful that the greatest faithfulness we offer is to the one whose faithfulness reaches to the skies, seeing that however much honor Jonadab commanded, our Father and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, are worthy of infinitely more. We will receive God's esteem for faithful service. We know that. Paul wrote about it in 2 Timothy, didn't he? When he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Jeremiah 34 exhibited God's faithfulness and graphically exposed Judah's treachery. Faithfulness is not achieved by expedient submission when under distress, only to revert to the intolerable behavior once the danger is past. Chapter 35 demonstrated that people are capable of being faithful to ideas they are taught. God's people must listen to God and constantly do whatever He instructs them to do. Honor comes to those who faithfully fulfill those commitments. This is a message of warning and a message of hope as well. We must not fall prey to people of this world who will tell us what we want to hear. We must not fall prey to people of this world who have the capacity to destroy our very faith. We must concentrate on what God says. Jonadab led his people in a good direction. But not every leader through the years, spiritual leader, otherwise has led people to the right place. But God will always place us where we need to be. Listen to his word. Listen to his word. And you will understand. Shall we pray? Gracious Lord, we are thankful indeed for these people. We are thankful for your servant, Jeremiah. We are thankful, Father, that we can see in them a faithfulness to their leader. But more importantly, we can see how we should be committed to you. Help us, Father, to listen and respond to your word for your will for our lives. As a church, may we be willing to do the same, to follow you and to leave all else behind, recognizing, Father, that you are the one who founded the church, who loves the church, who loves people and wants us to turn to you. Bless us in this time of invitation. In the name of Jesus, amen. The invitation is open in this sense. If you've never heeded the word of God in terms of your relationship to Jesus Christ... He calls to you. You wouldn't be here 
and not know Christ if he weren't calling to you. He calls to you, will you come? And then for those of us who are believers, let's take this passage for what it is because the people of Jerusalem and of Judah were believers. Believers in God. But they weren't listening. Are we listening? That's the question for all of us. And if we are listening, who are we listening to? Our hymn of invitation is number 450. Precious Lord, take my hand. I think we get a sense from Jeremiah of how difficult it was for him to deliver the message that the Lord had for him to deliver. Because the more we get into it, the more we see how he was frustrating those who didn't believe and who were not behaving in accordance with God. So we will continue our study uh, through the first Sunday in March. Because, you know, I missed the first Sunday in January. We through. In two weeks, but we'll be through in three weeks as we continue journeying through Jeremiah. Thank you for being a part of this service today. I ask in the first service to pray for Janet. Janet's awfully sick. Uh, she hasn't been here. She wasn't here today, and she wasn't here Wednesday. Uh, the flu is rampant in uh, the school system, and I don't know that she has the flu, but she was awfully sick when I left her this morning. I did check on her between the services, and she was okay, just kind of wiped out. So please pray for her. And we've got others that have it too, and are dealing with it. You know, some of the school systems have even been closed because of it. So uh, keep that in mind uh, as we leave. Let's pray. Father, as we depart on a day that you've given to us, we depart as a people with hope. For our hope rests in knowing, Father, that through you we have a Savior. And through you we have a word that will never fail us. May we take that word and that hope into the world 
so that others might see it in us and come to know you. Bless us, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm.